What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It is the night after the Dolphins' defeat to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you can probably tell by my voice, and you'll probably tell by Alf's the sense of disappointment. Um, and we will get to all of that. It's Alf and I at the moment, uh, and then Chris will join Alf for the second half of the program. National Championship night, lots going on. Uh, children have to be bathed and bedded, and we can't always be in the same place at the same time, which is where we are now. Um, before we get into it, let me tell you, of course, about our sponsors, because this show is, as always, brought to you by Prize Picks. Use the promo code three. That's the number three yards to get a one hundred dollar match bonus on your one hundred dollar deposit. And by our old friends, of course, at Manscaped, get twenty percent off and free sh- shipping. And not shitting, shipping. <laughs> that would be a completely different uh, thing. With the code five, that's the number five. We'll, we'll talk about shitting in about yeah. uh, about two minutes seconds. from now. Yeah. Uh, manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code five that's number five r s n alf tell the good people about factor meals well we have a dedicated page over there okay so you can go to factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero and that's the number three yards per carry five zero and you use the same promo code three yards per carry five zero and you get 50 percent off your entire order now, I get most of you, almost all of you listening, will be disappointed, upset, hurt, saddened, angry, frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. Distraught. And, yeah, distraught. And we're all the same. We're all the same. But I just want to start this week's show with a kind of little preface that may give you some solace, actually. And just stay with me on this. It's almost 30 years since the choke at Doak, where number two ranked Florida took a 31-3 to lead against Florida State into the fourth quarter. Some of you will remember it only to see the Seminoles come roaring back and tie the game right at the end with a Rock Preston four-yard touchdown run kind of minutes ago. The game finished 31-0. Bobby Bowden's running off the field and the ABC sideline reporter, who I can't remember who it was, but but essentially asked Bobby his opinion, you know, as they always do at the end of the game. And he famously, can you remember what he said, Alf? Can you remember the, the line? No, I don't remember it. So Bobby says it was a pretty damn, a pretty dang good win. I mean, tie. And obviously, it was a deliberate mistake to say it was a win because it felt like a win because number two ranked Florida, 28 points up going into the fourth quarter and Florida State came all the way back and tied it. But it sure felt like a win for the Knowles fans and it felt like the whole world was ending for, for, for the Gators. But a week later, Florida beat Alabama to win the SEC championship. And the moral of this story is, of course, we may be down, but we're not quite yet out. Last night felt like a playoff and yet, there is still the opportunity next week in Kansas City. But here we are, Alf. We're in a position most of us thought impossible. I mean, I remember back four, I'm old enough to remember four weeks ago when I raised the fact that Buffalo would win the AFC East and Chris and I got into a bit of an argument and he kind of didn't want it to be true and it and it was. But another dolphin implosion. These, these things are just so painful, mate, aren't they, at this point that... One more hardly seems to register, and yet, obviously, and brutally does. It's just painful, isn't it? It's just pain. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's the latest and maybe the greatest, because I was, I was looking back on, on this, you know, historically, okay? You got to think that 2001 team blowing – they had the one seed. The, yeah. Very, very similar, by the way. That 2001 team had the one seed with two weeks to go, and they were playing – um a Minnesota team that was not going to the playoffs. 
And then they were playing on the road at New England to uh, another team that was not going to the playoffs as well with Tom Brady, but they weren't going to the playoffs that year. And they managed to lose both in heartbreaking fashion. The mm-hmm. the last one against New England, they managed to blow an 11. Does this sound familiar, people? They managed to blow an 11-point lead with three minutes and 58 seconds left. Yeah, I wonder where that we've heard that before. I mean, right, the bare, exactly. The bare facts, mate, are this. They, they blew a three-game lead with five to play yes. in the AFC East, which just saying it out loud just seems so painful. But, and they blew it just as easily as they blew that 14-7 lead in a game they had had to win not had to win it wasn't a must win but it was in many respects handing again the divisional title to the buffalo bills yeah hat and t-shirt i i heard people today say who cares about hats hats and t-shirts i do oh i do i definitely do and i also heard that um i also heard the boxes were brought into the locker room and then hastily removed before the players went back in Um, yes yeah um, somewhere lying around Hard Rock Stadium will be a box of hats and T-shirts saying that we. Yeah, what's interesting is, teams. what if they get them wrong, right? Because uh, both teams had it delivered, right? Yeah. So yeah, what it, if they put the Buffalo ones in Miami and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, if they handed <laughs> yes, out trophies yeah. for choking, mate, our cabinet would runneth over. But I mean, last night it was just so many factors, and and yes, injuries are huge. But every team has injuries. You know, you look yeah, but injuries of- matter in not since. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, go. But injuries matter in the macro. Like when you step away from the scenes and say, hey, we did not win the Super Bowl. Why did we not win the Super Bowl? Well, we didn't have Bradley Chubb. We didn't have Jalen Phillips, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But one game where your defense plays really, really well, you manage to get the right Josh Allen melting down all over the place, getting an. Uh, he threw a touchdown pass off of Van Ginkle's helmet. Simon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. He had three turnovers. All yeah. right, he missed a in wide the first quarter, open. Didn't he? First quarter was it? Uh, first quarter he had two interceptions. Two, he yeah, had, two he had the fumble on a great play by Christian Wilkins. Pay oh, that amazing. man already. Amazing by Wilkins. What a play by Christian. Yeah. Amazing by Wilkins. Do you have he any idea how excited I was after that play by Christian Wilkins? Oh, mate, tell me about it. I, I kept pointing at the TV, saying, "Give him one hundred and twenty-five million dollars, <laughs> like right now." Yeah, I don't we'll care. Get to that actually, because we'll get to some financial stuff in a, in a moment. But like I said, like factors like injuries, questionable coaching decisions, horrible drops, and a quarterback who unfortunately has mastered the art of playing small when we need him to to play large. And that's just that is the case. We'll get into the weeds, both Alf and I, and then Alf and Chris in the second half. But the stark reality, Alf, is this, and I've got some you know some kind of facts. Back to back seasons, essentially, Miami have set the NFL on fire in September and October. Only to essentially have the best teams in the league catch up and catch on in November and December. And that's not that's that's an undeniable fact now. Neither and this McDaniel, is science because yeah. Dan Marino teams did this. Yeah, neither McDaniel or his quarterback have had an adequate response to this. Miami blew the AFC East and the number two seed on a level that when you really drill down to, into it is it is pretty staggering. And and these these stats I compiled this morning are, are, are pretty painful. For all the good wins and points scored against bad teams this season, along with a sense of why, what what might have been, this is what we're left with. They ended the regular season with a 1-5 and five record and a minus 91-point differential against playoff teams. There are only two other teams in the league, the 6-11 and 11 Giants and the 4-13 and 13 Commanders, that had a worse points differential against playoff teams. Miami averaged 35 and a half points against teams with losing records and just 16 and a half against team with winning records. And and the worst part of that, and to put that in context, is the Jets, with three different quarterbacks, none of whom are, are legitimate NFL starters, average 15.4 points per game versus winning teams. So Miami 16.5 and the lamentable Jets at 15.4. And the Jets also had double the amount of wins against winning teams that we had. Well, they beat the they beat the Bills, they beat the Eagles. Didn't they beat somebody else too in there? That was pretty good. They uh, almost lost they lost to the Chiefs, didn't they, by three in Okay. In, uh, yeah. That's what I was remembering. Yeah. yeah. So much like Steve Spurrier's Gators back in 94, this season isn't over, people. We go to Kansas City on Saturday night. I will be there in Kansas City, I believe. Um and that's that's a story for another day. But to play the Chiefs, we'll talk about that on Thursday. To play the Chiefs in what looks like I was looking at the weather, minus fourteen wind chill for Saturday night in the frigid Missouri cold. But it, it is very, very difficult now to see too many bright lights, given the injuries, just given the devastation 
and the second straight dramatic collapse that that this has had that this team has had can we start off with i mean it's hard can we start with the quarterback because it's clear that as long as mike mcdaniel and for all the people saying oh we need to do this it's clear that as long as mike mcdaniel is here Tua is his ride or die right yes that's that's not going to change but yet again when he needed him most he failed us unfortunately he certainly wasn't helped by some huge drops um and none more so than on the pass interference where Tyreek drops what what was a touchdown and essentially it's the same play as the Raiders touchdown the mm-hmm. first touchdown where he caught that's exactly the same play and 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 he dropped that one but this narrative of being unable to lift the team in the bigger moments is not a narrative is it, it it's just it's just it is that is what it is isn't it i mean yeah, yeah it, he was like, 8 of 14 for 50 yards and a game clinching pick in the second half we had three first down in the second half and all on that last drive one of which came via penalty and in six games against playoff teams this year he's completed just 65% of his passes averaged 6.9 yards per throw with seven touchdowns six picks and an 84.1% passer rating and in december and january this to me is the most damning thing. He's 10 and 10 as a starter, 24 touchdowns, 18 picks. And I'm just going to put it out here now. I I struggle to think that Miami can win a Super Bowl with Tua as their quarterback. And I would be extremely reticent about paying extremely big money for him in the offseason, knowing that he needs to be paid. There's not a wealth of quarterbacks out there. We're not going to be in a position to draft a quarterback, but McDaniel isn't going to move on from him anyway. But also we have a lot of impending free agent issues, a lot of which are tied into Chubb and Phillips because Van Ginkle's a free agent, but Chubb and Phillips aren't going to be back for the start of the season. And certainly if they are, they're not going to be back in any sort of great shape. You know, Wilkins is a free agent. You know, Brandon Jones is a free agent. Holland wants paying. Waddle wants paying. Tua wants paying. Connor Williams, Rob Hunt wants paying. There are a lot of issues that would go against paying 40, 50 million for a guy that, is 10 and 10 when it really matters. And I think that's, you know, I think we have to be big and bold and brave to talk about it. And look, I think, Alf, we've got to remove our emotion, our love for the guy, but it is hard to sit here contemplating that we just don't know if we have the right guy when it comes to the biggest games and the biggest moments. And it, and it made me think, it made me think this morning when I kind of, my head was a bit clear and had a coffee that it reminded me a little bit of the situation. I don't know if you feel the same, but with Jared Goff and the Rams, great when everything is going well, but the inconsistency that comes off script and out of structure just makes you ask so many questions. Is that fair or am I being emotional still with less than 24 hours gone after the defeat? I think some of it some of it is fair. I do think that they can win a Super Bowl with, with Tua Tungvaluwa. Uh, the framework is there. You've seen him at his best. In, in the end, the, the body of work is the body of work. I think Jared Goff could win a Super Bowl. I don't think there's there's no magic elixir for for quarterbacks it takes the right team and health and uh, the dolphins do not have either as of right now uh i think he needs a big off season i think they need some help on the offensive line and wide receiver what do you what do you do to help him given that the offense is so predicated on all the things that he does best right timing accuracy throwing to spots all that what what can help him like people talk about the offensive line but the whole point is that the ball comes out quickly therefore a better offensive line he's not getting hit anyway really what what do you think can help him we have a you know i don't want to say we have a monster run game but we have an excellent two-headed run game do we need Mm -hmm. more i mean peter king said in his column this morning that if he was miami if he was chris Greer, he'd draft a receiver in the first round i I think that i i think that that has to be on the table uh, the more I look at this, and I've been I've been on this on on a few of the guys since about week three. Uh, Braxton Berrios is that that was not a good signing. Okay, yeah. Robbie Chosen uh, runs in a straight line really really fast and does nothing else. Claypool. Chase Claypool Chase no. Claypool is a guy that uh, at season's end. And by the way, we uh, I reported uh, in our vetted room on OnlyFans, and if you want to become a member of OnlyFans, you go to discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans, only for $3 a month. Uh, I reported there that they had some some contract talks with Chase Claypool. They've been on him for most of the year. I'm at the point where you offer him a camp invite and a one-year contract. And if he declines it, you just say, oh, good luck. Good luck, Chase. 
Uh, they don't have anything else. Cedric Wilson has been a disappointment this year. They have two studs at the top. They have Tyreek Hill and they have Jalen Waddle. And the good news is that the playoffs are coming. Waddle might play, and they might play both of them the entire game. That's the good news. The bad news is that whenever you go to 11 personnel, you're going to have a guy that's that the other team, and it's not that they're bad. It's that teams are not respecting them. The Bills played a second half of complete and total and utter disrespect of everybody opposite of Tyreek Hill, and we just could not take advantage of it. Okay, you had a really, really good first first half by the offense and Tua, although he had that bad interception, which on an underthrown ball, and he should have never thrown it anyway. But that offense was pretty damn good in the first half, over two hundred and twenty yards on the ground. Uh, on the ground, you had one hundred and ten, two touchdowns. You got a touchdown lead, and then in the second half, their response is, "We're just going to double Tyreek, and everybody else is one on one, and none of those guys can win." So do we have a Tyreek problem? Yes. Uh, The offense is way too focused on Tyreek. And Tua is a guy that he always struck me as a trust guy. He likes what he likes, and you're not going to change his mind on it. So that's why it's good that, you know, when he has Waddle and Tyreek, because then the offense is a little bit more diversified. I think he had to add more to to the offense. You need a third wide receiver that he'll trust because... The guy he's chosen is Cedric Wilson, and my God, uh, Tua has to be nearly perfect. He was perfect on one big play uh, to Cedric Wilson last night, but the other that was, and I don't know if you saw that coverage, my God, Cedric Wilson had, he, he has Benford on his hip, and he essentially has green grass, about 15 yards either way. He has the, the choice of routes. Tua finds him, can't beat, can't can't beat him, can't beat him across his face, can't beat him, can't get any any separation whatsoever. Benford makes the play. Maybe he interfered with him, but he still made a play. Uh, there's no separation there, and uh, there's some evidence to suggest that the best separation on the day yesterday came from two guys, Tyreek Hill, which that's going to happen, and Durham Smythe. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a problem when Durham Smythe is your second leading separator on an offense. In the passing game, that's a problem. And we didn't foresee this because we uh, we all thought that, well, we, we have Tyreek and Waddle, and that's enough. Evidently, it's not. In the NFL, you need three wide receivers, and we don't have one. You and Chris have set up to talk about the defense in the second half um, in more detail. Uh, I know Chris will want to talk about the offense as well. But do we have a Mike McDaniel problem? I mean, I, I don't understand why. So last week is a perfect example. You go back to the Dallas game, in fact, two weeks ago, which I thought he called generally really, really well. You go to the Baltimore game, first two, first two drives, brilliant. I mean, you have the Tyreek drop, but, you know, they're brilliantly schemed, screens, a lot of A-chan, and then we just completely went away from everything that we did well. Uh, and then last night, Exactly the same thing happened. You know, running the ball, Jeff Wilson, A-Chan running the ball brilliantly. There were no screens to him at all. And then in the second half, you know, we come out, we go three and out. We, we pass the ball three times, we go three and out. Second drive is difficult because we have the we have the first down that comes back on the penalty, uh, the the holding, uh, the um, false start by, by Armstead. Then we get the personal foul on Ingold. So then we throw it, then we run it on second down, then we throw it short on third down and punt. Third drive, we run it. We run it on first down for no yards. Second down for one yard. And then we're in third and long, and that's when Tyreek has the the drop where he has Smythe and and Berrios wide open underneath and doesn't throw to either of them. Then the the fourth drive is the is the um the drive after the the punt return. We go three and out, and then the final drive, and we don't run the ball. Then and the final drive, we don't run the ball obviously because it's the final drive and there's a minute. 40 to go but did why did we abandon the run why did we abandon throwing to durham smythe which was working so well why did a chan for the second week running when it looked like he was going to put up a monster performance suddenly just fall out the playbook because it I wasn't think, like uh, we were doing anything different to, to cover him i think mike mcdaniel uh i think he coverage watches and he lets that dictate his play calling and that's the opposite of what he what he should do uh, he even spoke. He admitted to it after the game. He said they started the game off in their two deep shell, so we decided to run the football. Okay, good. And you had a lot of success. Uh, the Bills' response was to essentially disrespect the rest of your wide receivers. Well, you got to figure out a way to make your wide receivers effective against one-on-one coverage. 
Simple as that. You know, that that's your job as the offensive coordinator and head coach. You got to figure out how you can win one-on-ones with Barrios, Cedric Wilson, et cetera, et cetera. You got to co- you, you call some combinations. You got to call some design passes that are going to beat one-on-one coverage to those other guys because the game is being made easy to you by the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are deciding we're dropping down a safety, we're playing a 50 front, we're stopping the run because the run will beat us today. So we got to stop the run, and we're just going to double cover Tyreek Hill up and down the field. Yeah, And and to hell with the rest of these guys, because we don't think that they can beat us. Well, guess what? They were right. <laughs> Simple as that. They were right. They, their thesis was correct. None of those guys could beat them. Well, you know the it's crazy... your job to figure out how to beat that one-on-one coverage. Do you know what the crazy thing is? There's a certain part of me that thinks we're just going to go and shock the world and beat the Chiefs. Yeah, but it won't matter. Uh, no, it if, won't matter because we'll just go to Baltimore and then it'll, it'll be the ultimate up and down fairground ride and we'll just go to Baltimore and get spanked again. But yes, there there is a part of me that thinks that's what's going to happen. We're going to go to KC and just shock everybody and win it. Yeah, and you know why? And you know why? Because I think the Chiefs are as bad as we are. <laughs> yeah, and they can't defend the... They're not very good against the run and we'll no. have Waddle, we'll have Hill. I, Most you know, should be back. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got really good players. Chris Jones is amazing. Bolton's great. Willie Gay's great. Sneed's unbelievable. Uh, there's just something about me that just thinks that that we might just go and shock the world. And I just, I don't know what it is. And I am glass half empty as ever as every single listener who's ever listened to this, this knows. I just want to glass half full of cyanide. One, one of the well, two. But, yeah, but I could be, you know, I, I call it like it is Alf. And yes. unfortunately, as this season has progressed, I've called it as it has happened. And I don't take any pride in that whatsoever. It, you know, this is fucking painful for me. In fact, you know, it was another five to five when I got into bed this morning having to get up at 8.55. And I, I just thought to myself, I was going to count the number of games since I started as a fan. And I, I've, I've not missed a single primetime game, not a single primetime game that Miami have played in, either listening on the radio or watching on TV since I became a fan. And I was going to count how many games that was and how many late nights and how many hours sleep missed and, and just thinking, it's painful, man. It's so painful. And what's, should I tell you what's really painful mm. is watching us boom the ball to the five-yard line and then... <laughs> Danny Crossman's special teams unit. So I worked it out today. Okay. Miami is the only team to give up both a kick and a punt return touchdown this season. There, there was only 12 return scores all year on kicks. The Deontay Hardy touchdown that essentially changed the game came a week after we gave up that 78 yarder to start the second half to Justice Hill and the Ravens. But but we gave up the kick return to um, Denver and the rookie from Oklahoma, whose name completely escapes me, but um, I can see his face. I can see him as clear as anything. But, and then obviously the, that you know it didn't help that Justin Bethel you know Hardy just shook him out of his shoes and then Cam Good collided with another player and it looks like he's done something some fairly serious damage but and that's course- the and that's the guy who was supposed to get him too and yeah. by the way what made it all uh, worse is that I thought originally last night and and I, and I posted about it on OnlyFans I thought that he outkicked his coverage yeah he, did, that, he probably did outkick his coverage and to although be fair, today uh, although Mike McDaniel said that he called it that they tried to pin him back. So they called for the long punt. But if they, the the other interesting thing is that actually Deontay Hardy, most special teams coaches would be furious that he fielded the ball, essentially straddling the four and five yard line. You know, you let yeah. that bounce go into the end zone, take it out of the 20. You know, that's, um. does Crossman survive the off season? Absolutely not. Uh, uh, the last two weeks, he kicks off the worst play in the NFL. It's the worst play in football, the kickoff. Why? Why would you kick it inside? Now, if you want to kick it five yards deep into the end zone to to maybe you get lucky and somebody, you know, does something stupid and brings it out, cool. But if you're kicking it to the one-yard line, it's the worst play in football because only bad things can happen. What What do you care? If he gets it out to the 22, what, you gain three yards of a field position? Are three yards really that important? Or is a 79-yard return to start the second half against the Ravens worse? And that's precisely what happened, okay? Uh, you started that second half against the Ravens, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, the, the way forward is simple here. You get a touchdown, and you get a stop, and now you're playing the game because now you're down two scores, and you have almost two quarters left. You, you're playing the game. You're in this game if you could just play a little defense. Instead, 
you start the quarter off by giving up a 79-yard kickoff return. And, of course, here's a touchdown, and now you're down three scores. So, you know, last night, that was a killer. That cost them the division title and ruined their season for, for all intents and purposes. Okay? Because, like I said, look, if they beat the if they beat the Chiefs, you know, it's not going to matter because everybody's going to say, oh, that's progress. No. You know what would have been progress? Winning the division. And... Yeah. And hosting a playoff game and then possibly hosting two playoff games and getting that ride right to the AFC Championship game. That would have been progress. As of right now, it's an impossible road to get to the AFC Championship game because you're going to have to go through Baltimore instead, unless something crazy happens and the Steelers defeat the the Bills, which is a possibility because the Bills came out of this game. I don't know if you saw all their injuries. All their injuries are ridiculous. Uh, they lost Razul Douglas and Gabe Davis, and neither might play this coming week. So that's another thing. They lose Rasul Butler. I mean, Rasul Rasul Douglas. They lose Gabe Davis. Everything is going your way, and it's still not enough. <laughs> Just a quick question before we get out of here that nobody will want to hear, but can the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl? No, they don't have a chance in hell at winning the Super Bowl. Do you not think? Uh, nah, they could beat the Steelers. I don't think they get past the second round, whoever that is that, that, that faces them. That they're a flawed team. They're a flawed team. They came down here and they played a team that was playing a guy off the couch at edge. Uh, then they were, I don't know if you noticed it, they were basically on the fly teaching Duke Riley what he had to do in the 50 fronts because he never played edge on the 50 fronts. Yeah. So uh, you had a team that was scrambling on defense and they still couldn't muster enough offense. They scored two touchdowns and one of them was off of a helmet and they had yeah. three turnovers. So I know. Um... I think I mean, they have too many issues and injury issues as well is going to keep them from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know you and Chris are going to talk about defense after the break, which is coming up in a sec. Uh, and you'll talk about potential guys that Miami are going to have to bring in to play edge, given that we've got pretty much nobody left. But uh, a bit of breaking news, Wink Martindale has resigned as defensive coordinator of the New York Giants, which, if Miami moved on from Vic Fangio, would be a very interesting name to consider. Right. Um, I feel like we've exercised some demons. I can go and have a deep breath and have a have a shower and get ready for the national shower. Who have you got in the natty tonight? Uh, I, lo- I love Michael Penix uh, yeah. Jr. Uh, I think Washington wins. Uh, Perfect fit for the McDaniel scheme, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, oh, my God. If, if you go it. on Twitter, forget it. Uh, everybody has uh, everybody has us trading to uh, and signing... <laughs> And drafting Penix in the in the first round. Guess what? You're gonna have to use that first round pick if you want him because I think he's going in the first round. Oh, Especially after what he does tonight. Yeah, I think Washington to win and Harbaugh to resign and head to the NFL. But and and it. he obviously goes to the Chargers, right? Or the Raiders. Oh yeah, the, the Raiders are. They, that's a good one because Mark Davis won't be able to keep his hands out of that. So but it's gonna be it's gonna be West Coast because that's 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 his thing. Yeah. Right. That's been the first half of three hours per carry. In the second half, Alf will be taking the controls and Chris will join him. They will talk defense and then we will we will be back on Thursday to preview uh, the Chiefs and the Dolphins in the wildcard round. I will be there in the snow and minus 400 degrees in Missouri. <laughs> Pray for me, people. Um, we'll see you after the break. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. 
Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. And as promised, Chris Kaufman. Hello, Chris. Hi. <laughs> oh, uh, we were talking. That about, we were about talking, sums everything up. Are we done now? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. We were talking before the 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 break, uh, the circumstances of how they lost this game, and I was saying they got the right Josh Allen, a guy who was kind of melting down, right? In the first half, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the first half, but you, you got to turn over at the twenty-five yard like Great play. Play of the year, in my opinion, by Christian Wilkins. I don't know if you disagree with that. But yeah, I, yeah, that was a that was a phenomenal play. So you know they got three turnovers off of him. Um, he comp- he had a touchdown pass off of a helmet that the ball <laughs> went to the moon, and then Trent Sherfield of all people. The, do you like the symmetry that in the snow last year Trent Sherfield drops what would have been the game winning touchdown for Tua, but he makes this ridiculous catch for Josh Allen. He certainly had his uh, his revenge game. That's that's yeah. Uh, yeah. So you get all of this. You get a heroic, and I don't like using that word too much, but especially when it comes to sports. But that was a heroic defensive performance, and you give up a ninety six yard punt return, and you lose the game because the offense in the second half is non existent. They can't get first downs. Uh, yeah, and you know that's what's really uh, tricky about it too is thinking because you know I had somebody asking me at halftime, and it's obviously not not a not a um, you know not 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 exactly a really into football kind of fan, but you know, hey, what what's your do you think that the Bills are playing poorly? Do you think the Dolphins are playing well? Like this is at halftime, right? And I start kind of going through it and going through it uh, in my head and going through the Rolodex. And I'm like, you know, actually, um, I think it's a little bit of both. The Bills are clearly playing poorly if you look at, you know, what Josh Allen is doing. And and there were some penalties that they um, that they kind of shot themselves in the foot, um, too. And, but also, the Dolphins are playing really well with probably just one exception, and that would be Eli Apple. Um, and... You know, I was like, I, so, you know, kind of combination of both. Like, I, I'm, I'm running through it in my head. You know, Devon Achan is running, running crazy. Um, the play calling is, you know, sometimes, sometimes the Bills are going to have a good run fit for the call that you call, and, and sometimes they're not. And but mo- for the most part, the play calling seemed all right. It's just very low possession first half, and, th- and that's why, that's why it was only 14-7. And then there's that freak moon helmet touchdown right and it's just like uh, yeah it's so so overall it just sucks that we're only up 14 7 but i i think it's going well i think the dolphins are playing really well and the bills are playing poorly and then the second half happened and that's 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 all she wrote yeah that, that second half you know there's just so many ways we could go with this but my big takeaway from that second half was that the bills decided to just, you know, play everybody else underneath, play Tyreek very high, and essentially just show a great deal of disrespect to everybody not named Tyreek Hill in the passing game. And none of those guys came through. None of them. And yeah, that's, what, I, that's why I, I'm I, I kind thought, of inclined. Yeah. And I told, I told, I told Simon this, you know, I don't want any of those guys back. Bring me back my two studs and let's build around those two guys. Yeah, and I think that it serves as a reminder, and this is why, because every now and then it gets floated at me, you know, hey, Jalen Waddle's really not, you know, up to snuff this year, um, and he's 
seemingly injured every single game, which is true. Um, and if you're if you're faced with a situation where you're like, you know, hey, we have too many impactful injuries, and part of this is roster construction, then you know you have to think about that. You know, in coming years with Jalen Waddle too, is like this guy. This guy goes down with something every single game. Um, sometimes twice in the game, and uh, and he he still seems to play the games, but you know he goes down with something every single game. But um, you know I I think that when you look at it, it's very instructive because nobody other than Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle can do anything. Um, aside from you know Devon Achan, who is you know let's face it, he's still a running back. He's not being We've talked about before. Can he be a wide receiver? Can he? Well, he's not being trained as that. That's for sure. Um, so you know, there's only so much a running back can can function in the passing game as a real you know second or third threat. And it's clear that the Dolphins don't have threats outside of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And it's a good reminder that we do need to keep those two players close because this system is very demanding on those wide receivers. It asks them to be disciplined, precise, good teammates, good blockers, uh, good with the ball in their hands. And then, oh, by the way, also, why don't you be really super fast and talented too? You know, like that's it, it, it wants the whole package of these guys. This system does. And uh, and so if you've got the wide receivers doing that much heavy lifting, then you need to feed that beast as much as you can. Make sure that you don't get as much disruption when one or two of them go down. Um, and 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 just and keep what you have together. So, no, I would re- absolutely reject calls for you know, the Dolphins to sell high on Tyreek Hill or sell high on Jalen Waddle or, or something like that. Um, they This system is so wide receiver uh, dependent and, and ha- asks them to do such heavy lifting that, yeah, you, you need that. Um, you need them there. And, and it's just like they keep trying to find a third threat and they can't find one. And, uh, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, not to get into too much draft talk, but wide receiver moves up way up in the priority list this offseason correct it does but you know i, I think that i think that it, the third threat absolutely can be a tight end it ah. just couldn't be mike gesicki because he didn't have the build for it you know if you're building a player for the system then it's not him you know and um and i think that that's you know, that's something to keep in mind because I, I still always go back to it when uh, when Greg Olson was doing the um, the, the Cowboys game. Uh, and, you know, he, he had the pre-game meetings with Mike McDaniel and he asked Mike McDaniel about getting the tight ends going. And Mike McDaniel did state that that is the next uh, the next uh, step in evolution of the offense, that, that it is. And there is a reason they franchise tagged Mike Gesicki. Uh, and and sent him ten million dollars, even though he wasn't built for it. You know, he wasn't built for the system. Um, I think that there is plenty of opportunity for the tight end to be that third threat that helps things stay consistent, even when you've got disruptions. Uh, so I'd keep that in mind as you head into the draft. But of course, you know, we're not at the draft yet. We we still got another game of football to play. Um, it seems really weird. We would have given our left, you know, our left arm to be in the playoffs in other years and we're in the playoffs and we seem not to care now, but, um, but that's, I guess that's the situation we're faced with. Did you, did you think it was as good a sign as I thought it was that our head coach got up there today and, and essentially used the word fail with that game. And he said it was a stated goal. He said when they first met. All they talked about was winning the AFC East, and they mm-hmm. didn't do that. So you must call that a failure. That's I, a failure. I, I found that not only refreshing, but encouraging. Because sure. I, I, mean, I could vision other coaches getting up there and saying, hey, 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 
you know, 11 and six, you know, look at this. Look at this over here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Forget about that 21 14 loss over here, but look at this over here 11 and six and in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. Well, and, I, and that's, and also, I mean, they could, I, I doubt very many coaches would, would really do that if they had been so ex- explicit and expressive about winning the division being the, being a, um, being a goal. I think that most of them would, would, would acknowledge quite publicly and with the team that they failed their goal. Um, but there would be a lot, perhaps some other coaches that would say, you know, that would point out and probably Mike McDaniel does as well. But, you know, it's not, it's not over yet. We're in the playoffs. We did well enough to get ourselves in this position to be in the playoffs and to, you know, to, to essentially your three games, if you're in the playoffs, you're three games away from the Super Bowl. you know, and, and that's, and that has to be the mindset that has to be the mentality. Um, you know, he didn't run from the fact that they failed their goals. Uh, but you, you also have to acknowledge that this isn't over yet. And, and if you start, if you start acting like it is, then you're going to have players that are just, you know, playing for the season to be over. Um, and, and just, okay, well, these players have lots of things on their minds. Tyreek Hill, for one, had a, had his whole ass house burned down this week. So, um, you know, what, keeping these guys locked in and saying, you know, hey, we're three games away from the Super Bowl. That that's a chore, but it has to be done. Yeah. Now let's talk about two guys in in particular. We had a, a go of it in the first in the first half of the show. Um. You know, Simon, Simon could get a little bit emotional in these moments, right? <laughs> okay. Like, we both love him, but, you know, he told me, look, I, I understand that you think that I'm a, I'm a glass half full guy. And I said, no, I, I think you're a glass, I mean, a glass half empty guy. And, and I said, no, no, you're a glass half full of cyanide guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And he, he, like, he went right to it. He thinks that they can't win a Super Bowl with, with Tua Tungvaloa, I completely disagree. The man has the framework of a very successful quarterback for a very, very long time. He just has to work on his craft. Uh, yeah, th- that's what everybody's talking about today. So if we just ignored it, you know, we'd be yeah. doing a disservice to our our listeners and and our fans. Um, you could say he came up small. I would also say that a lot of a lot of people came up small along with him. A lot of people came up small, namely. Tyree Kill. Uh, I ran a poll today on, on OnlyFans, and mm-hmm. I hate to be pimping this again, but I am. If you've been on Twitter, you know, the last day, uh, you know the need for something like this. Go to discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans, and you could join there for $3 a month. I put a poll up there. What was the most exciting Tyree Kill drop this season? Because what <laughs> if I, what if I, okay, and these are legitimate drops. Like, there's video out there. So a guy made a cut up of, Five touchdown passes. Now, I know it's fair. It's unfair to say nobody drops a touchdown pass. So, therefore, right, Tua, right, Tua, right. Tua should have 65 touchdown passes. But what if I told you that Tua threw 36 touchdown passes this year? But seven yeah. were dropped, and five of them from Tyreek Hill, a $30 million a year wide receiver. You know? Uh, the way I look at it, and look, I love the guy. I think he's a great player. Uh, you know, he's on that ring of honor trajectory. If you could just put together a little longer career here. But when the game ends and I'm left thinking, you know what, there's other receivers I'd rather have, then that's a problem, you know, because Justin Jefferson doesn't drop many, you know, ball busting consequential drops like Tyreek Hill has, you know, and he dropped another one last night that could have tied the game. That one at the end. Mm -hmm. So your thoughts on, on our best players, namely Tua Tungvaloa and Tyreek Hill, basically not showing up in this biggest game of the year. I think that there has to be there has to be some sort of you you have to be able to if you're if you're really analyzing it to kind of separate it's like the NBA. You know, there you're gonna have a large sample pool and a lot of uh, a lot of um, data to analyze who people are. But at the end of the day, it's a make or miss league, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they say about the NBA. Like you either made the shots, you either made the shots and won it all, or you didn't. You know. Um, 
And I think that the Dolphins clearly didn't make the shots and didn't win at all. Um, and I think that Tua did come up small in this game. Uh, and I, I also think that there's there's probably, I think the injury issues uh, crept back in in a sneaky way after all of the, the talking up we did of, you know, how he changed, he revamped his playing style and, you know, with the um, the training he did without a fall and everything like that. Like, he, he, he did work in that regard and made major improvements. He was one of the healthiest quarterbacks in the league uh, in terms of how his participation was this year. But then the injuries started to creep back in because he made some stupid decisions you know, uh, at times um, this this year. So he's not he's not impervious to that um, either. But let's face it: the man leads the league, the league in, in yardage. The man is top five in virtually every measure you could think of as a quarterback. And if we're sitting here and we're saying that's not good enough to win the Super Bowl then I think that that's, you know, that's, I think that that's silly, um, borderline stupid. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine any quarterback that I can even think of in, in NFL history that was consistently top five in, you know, in all these measures of quarterback potency quarterback productivity, quarterback, you know, overall just uh, efficacy um, that I would say, yeah, but he was never really going to win a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. no, their team. Why, why don't we just say that about Dan Marino at that point? Huh? Why don't we just because he didn't. So we're never going to we were never going to win. What if I say to you right now, we were never going to win a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. You know what? That's factual truth. We never won a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. Yeah. Um, but to sit here and say that he was never capable of winning a Super Bowl is just is just stupid. So um, so I, I think it's it's much it's very similar. And people are using examples of other guys, you know, oh, well, what if he's a Kirk Cousins or what if he's OK? Well, are you saying that Kirk Cousins couldn't win a Super Bowl if he actually had a, a team around him? And if, if you're going to say that, then, you know, again, go back to Dan Marino. Has Josh Allen won a Super Bowl? No. <laughs> you know, has, <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, it's sort of silly. You have to look at how these guys play the game and how effective they are and then say, okay, there's that. You have enough. But then you have to put it together. Then you have to put it together. That means everything. That means not having a nuclear bomb go off on your uh, on your roster in term and depth chart in terms of injuries sometimes because there have been studies that say that the teams that you know survive to the end and win the Super Bowl are usually just the healthiest yeah um and, and sometimes sometimes that's not in even in your control you know and and, and it sucks but because people want to have control over everything right? They want to have control of, they want to pretend that there's always the exact right answer that you can find and that there isn't any large segment of the whole, the whole game that's out of your control. And, and the fact is that's not true. You know, that is, that is just a fact. So um, I think that, yeah, of course he's good. He's, he's a young player. He's improved every single year he's been in the league, including this year. I mean, last year, we, we weren't saying, well, I don't think Tua is capable of winning a Super Bowl because he's not talented. We were saying, is this guy ever going to be healthy? Uh-huh. And right? sure he plays all the way through and is going to start a playoff game. About to start his 18th game, you know, this year. So, evidently, he made some pretty big improvements in that regard. Uh, whether it be through his build and the work that he did on his um, on his strength and his body, or the uh, the off season training on falling and jujitsu, and and probably even more important than that was the mentality that he played with in terms of um, in terms of avoiding unnecessary hits and uh, and making sure that he 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 would live to fight another day. Mm -hmm. um, he made a huge improvement year over year on that. 
you know when I'm going to start being worried about a guy? When I don't see improvements anymore and I see some kind of fatal flaw. You know, like that's that's when you really start, start worrying. I, I see improvements every single year from this guy and he's still young. So why are, why are we having this discussion? Why are we even having it? I don't, I, I don't understand that. I think that's just emotional fr- frustration. I think that's just our, um, our tendency to want to control everything and always find the exact right answer when sometimes there isn't, you know? And, and so, yeah, that, that strikes me as a very silly conversation to have. I would say so to Simon, uh, this, the same thing. Um, and I would say that, you know, whatever your guys, anybody's individual feelings are, Tua is going to get his extension in the offseason. And you can go ahead and cry into your milk about it if you want. But it's going to happen. Uh, and it's going to be north of 50, it's going to be $50 million or something along those lines for the new years. Um, and in fact, if you want Miami to be competitive next year in terms of the salary cap and not have the whole roster blown up, then you should be rooting for exactly that because I'm going to tell you right now, he's on the books for $24 million of a fifth year uh, option next year. And the extension is going to lower that number, (laughs) you know, it's going to lower that cap number and, uh, and, and give the the dolphins some very much needed cap relief so that they can manage their roster and not just completely blow up the whole thing. Um, so, you know, yeah, yes, of course the Dolphins can win them. That's not even, I don't even see, I don't even see that as like a, a debate. Of course the Dolphins can win this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl with uh, Trent Kilf. Yeah. Jeff Hosteller. You know? Jeff Hosteller was a backup quarterback. Are, and he are, won. Is anybody really going to tell me that Matt Stafford has such a, such a greater makeup as a you know as a performer than to a tongue of aloha or that you know um any of these guys that you're talking about that you talk about that have won super bowls i mean jesus what what are we even doing here um i think you know there are real issues but come on let's not let's not take the good parts and say that they're the issue and cut them out and then and then what we're back to the cleo lemon days which is just fucking stupid. Yeah. What what's uh, what what bothers me is all the winning that he does. You think it's by accident, or do you think that he's just along for the ride? So all these games that they've won four years in a row with winning records, two years in a row in the playoffs. I don't yeah. think it's a coincidence that no, he's the quarterback. Of course, it's not a coincidence. But if you hear some of these people talk about it, he's just along for the ride. He's just he just happens to be the guy that's under center. Yeah, you know, I, I suppose. I mean, and everybody else is a genius. Tyreek Hill is an MVP candidate, and Mike McDaniel reinvented uh, offensive football. You know, speaking of, by the way, uh, just as as an aside, do you, don't you find the 2020 quarterback class absolutely fascinating? Because everybody's taking turns except Tua, and being like the new flavor of the month, except Jordan Love. And Jordan Love now is the one that's being talked about. Maybe he's the best one out of them all. Well, it's just it's just his turn. Yeah, I mean, it, so what is it going to be? Tua's turn, man. <laughs> why hasn't it been already? Yeah, why why hasn't it been Tua's turn? Look, first of all, Joe Burrow's fabulous. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody wants to look at the side by side stat wise between Tua and Joe Burrow. And don't give me this Tyreek Hill nonsense. The man has Jamar Chase and and T Higgins. Okay. Uh, it, Joe Burrow's had two season-ending injuries, serious ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Herbert just had one and has had two back-to-back uh, subpar seasons compared to his first two years. Jalen Hurts just—you want to talk about collapses? Yeah, Miami collapsed. Yeah. You want to talk about a collapse? Jalen Hurts had a three-game lead with four to go. Hmm. Okay, uh, it was now- so bad. It was so bad. Do you remember when we when, when we beat the Cowboys? Everybody was saying, "Ah, nobody cares because the Cowboys had no shot at the division anyway." Remember? Mm-hmm. Do you remember when everybody was saying that? Well, guess who's the NFC East division champions today? Because yep. somebody lost to the Cardinals. Okay, so yeah, if you look at if you look at that 2020 class, Tua, in my opinion, Tua Tagovailoa comes out. You you did okay. Let's just say that. Okay. Well, it's just it's just 
it's just part of it's just part of the fan base's i guess trauma um or just you know i i, I can be very critical of the fan base because frankly i think that miami's fan base are um not all the way. I think it's a very vocal minority who dominate social media and the likes. Yes. And there are there are studies that really show this. And so we always have to keep that in mind. But that vocal minority are full of a bunch of bitches. You know, and that's <laughs> that that's that's the God's honest truth. Um and and so I think that there's a lack of recognition that ten years ago we're gonna be talking about or sorry, not 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years from now, uh, you're going to be looking at the years that Tua had in 22 and 23. And yeah, 22 was obviously injury truncated. And that was the, the main, the main issue, but you're going to be looking at that and it's going to be like, man, this guy was putting together a hall of fame career yeah. because he is. And I don't care what your feelings are about it. He is. Those are facts, you know, and mm -hmm. and so I think that that's uh, you know we're people were like, when is it going to be Tua's year? Well, no, it's it's more like when is it going to be our year to win the championship? And trust me, I'm sympathetic. But when is it going to be Tua's year? We're living it. We're living Tua's years. He's led the league in passing. He's got top five in virtually everything. We would have killed for all of that. Yes. A decade ago. Literally. A, de a decade. A decade. Five, five, six years ago. And yeah, not even, yeah, right? Not even a decade ago. Like, right? Five years ago, uh, we were sitting here talking about can we get a guy that could throw for 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns? Can and we do we've that? got people over here. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we just got to wait seven years like we did with Ryan Tannehill. And I'm like, Bro, on what planet did anything Ryan Tannehill did in a Dolphins uniform actually stack up to the potency and efficacy of what two has done in the last two years? On what planet can you even compare that? You know, and and it's it's just it's just maddening and insane. And yeah, I, I think that unfortunately, this is not all of Dolphin. Like I said, there's there's this weird dynamic where social media tends to be dominated by a very small sliver of very loud voices but that very small sliver of very loud voices are a bunch of bitches and it's always the same people by the way you know yeah yeah because you can look at them and it's always the same people it's like it's really about a group of about about 12 you know yeah. uh, i just made up that number but it's about a dozen people it's about a dozen people that they just tweet maybe a hundred times a day about the same thing over and over and over again and they all tend to disappear when the dolphins win but when they lose yeah, yeah. god well, I mean, and, they, and they come in they come in and they they come in and they want to revel in other people's misery and just, you know their their only contribution in anything is i told you that blah 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 like anybody cares what you what you told everybody um <laughs> yeah. but yeah you know, I, I love and, doing and, that i do that on twitter everybody is just everybody is just this massive this massive ego experiment on yeah. uh, social social media yeah that, their and, opinion and not, man I, is I so important ourselves from this of course we're <laughs> We're social media creatures, you and I, and yeah. and Simon as well. Yeah, we talk we into engage. microphones. We're kind of important. Yeah, yes. but we we engage in it too. I'm not exempting us. <laughs> I'm just saying that we, with the voices, you know, and and the the minority on social media, we have a tendency to use our to use our our loud voices to be a bunch of bitches, and 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 that's that's I think what's going on right now. And so, no, I, of course you can't be happy. With how the season is ending, I'm not. I'm depressed as hell. Um, but you know, at the same time, why why are we you know looking in certain directions when it's like you know so clear, <laughs> so clear what's happened that nobody wants to talk about because they're just oh that's just an excuse and it's like well no I mean autopsy is an excuse. Yeah. An autopsy is is full of reality. An autopsy is not full of excuses, you know. Um, and yeah, there's an autopsy on this season, <laughs> so uh, we'll 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 just have to see. It. I mean, hey, but it's not over. So yeah, no, it's not over. Uh, the offense is going to be as healthy as it's been in months. 
coming into this game against Kansas City. The problem is uh, we're not sure if we have 11 guys to play defense. (laughs) That's that's the only other problem. All right. Yeah. On the way, I was going to ask you about about Mike McDaniel, but we have the entire offseason to talk about him. But I just ask you this on the way out. Me and and Simon said, let's just make a clown show out of this and sign Robert Quinn, Frank Clark, Justin Houston. Sign them all. (laughs) And, And have them all play like, you know, three snaps each, you know, and I'm pretty sure if we put if we put the senior tour of edge rushers on the field, <laughs> they could come. They could come by some kind of production, because I don't know about you, but uh, Melvin Ingram is a dolphin lifer as far as I'm concerned. That dude was watching Netflix like two weeks ago, and yeah, the dude yeah. managed to go get four pressures and a sack, and he, he was chasing wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was unfortunate. That play actually <laughs> unfortunate is one way to say it. So, do you have a favorite? Because Simon says Frank Clark. Uh, I'm agnostic on it. I, I'll take anything. If 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 you have a warm body, you can play. I'll play you. Uh, Justin Houston played this year, so that's who I would want. Uh, I'm pretty. Uh, I, I'm pretty. Uh, you know, ambivalent on outside outside acquisitions for this. I think that you know, it's Vic Fangio that probably needs to to worry the most about like how he's going to adjust the defense for guys coming in who don't necessarily do what he wants and and don't necessarily know the defense as well as they uh, as well as he would like but you know there's also still dudes that haven't gotten their shot yet on the Dolphins roster you know like um I I'm we've talked about him before but Quincy Bell um is a guy who's you know, uber athletic and, uh, and he's been, you know, waiting his term on the practice squad, sometimes getting that practice player of the day Jersey, you know, we've seen on hard knocks, um, you know, he, he should get a chance at some point I would hope. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite and as for, you know, we'll, we'll talk all about Mike McDaniel and future podcasts and stuff like that. But I, I, the final message though, about whether it's about Mike McDaniel or whether it's about Tua Tungavaloa or anybody is if if they're young and if they're clearly still learning, then stop pretending that they're just always going to be the same as the last time you saw them suit up. You know what I mean? Like, stop pretending that this isn't a moving target, okay? If you would like go back to the draft and and how Josh Allen absolutely nobody liked him in the draft, the most universally hated draft pick I've ever seen, right? And you know, like listen, that guy that guy had talent and he was improving, and people mistook his lack of consistency with mechanics for inaccuracy. Uh, I think they're learning now that that's not the case um and and so you know let let guys let guys improve year to year let guys keep trying for the big prize and let it come together it's all coming together for lamar jackson right now this year Mm -hmm. number one seed you know looking great runaway mvp um we'll see if he actually goes there and, and completes it i'm kind of rooting for him i like him a lot um you know what? I bet Baltimore Ravens fans really wanted it to come together last year, though. And I bet they really wanted it to come together the year before. And I bet they really wanted it to come together the year before that. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't. And and so, but but I guess, but because we want to control everything, we say, well, you know, Lamar's just not it. We're going to move on. All right, you move on, and then you skip out on the two, the 23 season when he's runaway MVP and number one seed and, you know, playing home for the rest of the way and probably going to the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. Good till luck we knock him off. Till we knock him off in two weeks, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to call it right here because on Thursday, we're going to preview this game. Uh, yeah. I have a, an updated weather report. I just put it on OnlyFans. Chris, do you yep. want to hear this? Uh, I, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> Okay, Saturday night, people. Things could change, you know? It could change 50, 60 degrees, you know? 
Yeah, a, a, week out is, a week out is very un- unreliable. I know that. but Yeah, you know. Well, it's, you know. But it calls for minus 6 degrees, and the real feel is minus 24 degrees with 25-mile-per-hour winds. And Simon is actually going to this game. Is he insane? You know he's, he's dying, insane. right? Do you understand he's going to die out there? He's insane. He's insane. But, would you, you, would know, you be wish, caught dead in a stadium he, in, has, in that weather? I hope he has a fantastic time though <laughs> you know because well, how are you gonna have a fantastic well. time when you die well yeah yeah i mean you know stay warm simon <laughs> there's I mean, no staying warm this is this is you die this is cancel the game weather <laughs> yeah it's pretty well and and you know what hey we'll preview this is it, postpone but... the game until monday night weather is what this is we'll preview it but um you know <laughs> the team that the team that could come out on top when weather's like that might not always be the team that you'd think. And right. sometimes it's the team that, you know, can run the ball real, real well. Who's going to have the balls to not wear sleeves in this game? That's what I want to see. Christian you think, Wilkins. You think, you think, oh, yeah. Uh, what a stud. Pay that man already. Uh, I, I told Zach, Simon, Zach I told Steele. Simon, I will tell you, when he made that play, I got up from my, uh, I have a little setup in my backyard. You've seen it. Yeah. Right. I got up, I pointed right at the screen, and I said, give that man $125 million. <laughs> well, he's gonna get he's gonna get a lot of money. It's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough offseason for for you know who who stays, who goes. There's gonna be some some names gone. Um that unfortunately. All right, we went very, 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 very long, but I gotta get you on record because some people might be listening to this right right now. Who do you like? Washington, Michigan. I God, I, I'm really rooting for Washington here. I yeah. even though I've come to I've Future come Dolphin to, like, quarterback Michael found, Penix. I have a newfound love for Jim, like a new old love for Jim Harbaugh. Um, once I found out that he's an Excel guy, and uh, <laughs> and I found out that, uh, and also he, he said something the other day about like uh, how college players aren't getting enough money, and and he thinks everybody, including himself, should take a ten percent pay cut and and just <laughs> add more to the for, for for the college players and that made me respect him quite a bit more all right we're gonna call it right here we will talk to you on thursday when we preview ice bowl two on saturday but till then thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.